the world is a mess. Human history is a mess. I mean, you don't have to look far. In every direction you see, you see a war, a conflict, a disappointing leader. You see famine and poverty and difficulty. And in the midst of this, it's easy to embrace despair, to ask ourselves, where in human history is there hope? And is there anyone or anything worth putting our hope in? It's very fashionable right now to give up on hope. It's very fashionable right now to embrace some form of nihilism or postmodern deconstructionism that says, nothing matters, tear it all down, who cares what comes after? But we as Christians have another place to look. And that is so much of what the book of the Revelation is about. Now, today, let me just let you know, we're going to be doing some Bible teaching today. So it'd be a great day for you to open your app or open your Bible or if you're listening at home online, because we should study, particularly a passage like this, as though there's going to be a test. How many people went to school and said, is this going to be on the test? Because if it's not going to be on the test, I don't really going to pay attention, right? Well, let me just say something. What we're going to talk about today is going to be on the test. And it's a test you want to make sure you pass. Because we're about to go into the messy middle part of the book of the Revelation. That part that is all about scrolls and bowls and dragons and beasts and what the heck is going on. And we're about to start a section that sometimes is called the three sets of seven. Seven scrolls seven trumpets, and seven bowls. And, and what we're going to see as we unpack these over the next five or six weeks is, is that what we're actually seeing here is three tellings of the human story, three, three laying outs of the human story, and specifically the divine judgment or the test that's going to come on the nations. And, and the big evaluation of whether or not we are citizens of Babylon or the new Jerusalem, whether or not we worship the beast or the lamb, whether or not we are followers of the way of the dragon or the way of the lamb. And, and it is so easy to fool ourselves. That's why the, the book is, we're admonished to listen to this and pay close attention uh, because it's pretty serious stuff. Now, last week, she was started unpacking that part where John was taken up and was brought to the world of visions, the, the, the vision world of uh, uh, imagery and symbols. And, and just about every, not every, just about every symbol and just about every word has some kind of foreshadowing, some kind of interpretation that we must understand things in the Old Testament to understand. We, again, are not trying to understand what this book meant for, means for us before we understand what this book meant from the original author to his original audience, how would they have understood it? Those ones who actually knew the Bible a lot better than we tend to know the Bible and how they would have unpacked it and how they would have seen it. And when we can do that, man, we will see absolute glorious things, challenging things, disturbing things um, in this incredible book. And so, so we're, we're going to be doing that kind of work. And, and we started by going to chapter, chapter 4 where we were brought into the throne room and, and she brought a glorious... I hope you saw his heart last week. Our worship pastor has an amazing heart. 
He just has an amazing heart. And, and you see it not just in him, but the people who follow him. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And just that, that when we worship, we don't start worship. We don't start. Is worship service starting on time? No, no, no. We join the everlasting worship that goes on all the time. And we are seeing God on his throne and creation and the church and history and, and everything worships the one on the throne. Well, this week, that picture of the throne turns and it becomes a bridge passage from the throne to the first set of seven, which is the seven uh, seals. And, and what we're going to see here is an incredibly laying down of a foundational truth of Christianity that if this doesn't capture your heart, if this doesn't shape your worldview, if this doesn't help you understand how then you should live and how we should live, well, then you're going to have a very difficult time, I think, staying faithful to the Lamb. So, so let's go ahead and, and take a look at this passage of Scripture and see what's there. It's all asking a question, who is worthy? And let me just ask you, in your life, what's worthy? What's worthy of your time and your attention and your very best? Where do you put your hope? Where do you put, put your, your points of joy? What do you worship? Because you worship what you consider worthy. And if you get this question wrong, boy, you're just wrong. And it's going to be, again, very hard to walk and live the way of the Lamb, which is what this middle part of the book is about. Look what it says. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. So we're going, what the heck's going on there? Well, what's going on there is, is the one who we just saw on the glorified throne, God Almighty, reaches out and he's got a scroll. He's got seven seals on it, the first series of seven. Okay, and, and, and the question is, oh my goodness, who can handle that? I mean, who can handle that? And, and you get the sense that there was a collective kind of almost leaning back and, 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 and looking and saying, holy cow, because this scroll is terrifying. So, so what is the scroll? Well, we understand what the scroll is by looking back. This is a passage from Ezekiel, way back in the dusty old Old Testament. First time we ever have a mention like this, the, the prophet is given a scroll, and he's given a scroll to eat, and we're going to unpack that in a couple weeks. But, but this is basically where it goes, is he says, he spread out the scroll before me, and it had writing on the front and the back, just like this scroll we're going to see, and, and exact same language. And there were written on it words of lamentation, mourning, and woe. This scroll is human history. This scroll is the unfail, unfolding of the plan for people. And the question is, is who can handle that? Who can take that? Who can take it in such a way that it's more than just a bunch of, of lamentations and warnings and woe? Who is worthy? And, and by that, who has the power? Who has the ability to make something out of this human story other than a tragedy? Other than just a despair, other than just a fruitless living of life, and then we die, and then it's over. Uh, just a, a, a collection where we're convinced that those people are bad, those people are bad, those people are bad. God, pour out your judgment on them, only to realize that if he's going to judge them, he's going to judge you. And if he were to just unload all his wrath, none of us could stand. Who is worthy to make a happy ending, to give us some hope? Who is worthy? And all of heaven holds its breath. All of heaven takes a step back and says, is there anyone worthy? And look at the response of John. But no one, 
No one in heaven on earth, not a politician, not a leader, not a preacher, not a philosopher, no one in heaven and earth or under the earth, not, not selling out to darkness, okay, could open the scroll or even look inside of it. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. So all creation symbolically around this throne, the scroll comes and says, who can handle this? Who can face this? Who can make sense of this? Who can keep us from this meaningless abyss of despair that very often is what human history is without the lamb? It, it, who can save us from that? And they search, can anybody, can any idea, can any philosophy, can any political party, can anybody open the scroll and give us some hope? And I wept and I wept because of the Holocaust. I wept and I wept because of the civil war that rages today in Yemen. I wept and I wept because millions have been enslaved in the history of our country for 400 years and the oppression of Native Americans and the injustice. I wept and I wept because millions of people are still in slavery today. I wept and I wept because drugs are coming into our small towns and they're devastating our people. I wept and I wept because of poverty and that there are people who hear my voice now who don't know how they're gonna pay their bills. I wept and I wept for marriages falling apart, for people diving into sexual chaos, which is destroying them. I wept and I wept and I asked, can anyone step into this mess, step into this story and open the scroll? And ultimately, it leads to a happy ending. The lion who was the lamb. Now, now this is so important. Because if you can see the subtle brilliance of this passage, it will give you such wisdom in understanding the way of the lamb as opposed to the way of the dragon that we disguise as the way of the lamb, which is the whore of Babylon, which we're going to talk about later. Watch this then. He says this. Then the one of the elders said to me, do not weep. It's hard. It's real. There's evil. And God is not just going to come and wipe it all out or we'd all be wiped out. God has got a plan. God has got to bring a story. The story of humanity, listen, ends as a story of redemption and healing and new life and a new Jerusalem. He says, do not weep. He says, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Every word of this is layered with Old Testament meaning and images. That This goes all the way back to the garden. It goes all the way back to King David. It goes all the way back to the story of Joseph. I was just listening to it in my devotions this morning. And, and all of this just drips with Old Testament promise and foreshadowing. It says, look what, he has triumphed, not that he will triumph, on the cross. He has already triumphed. We've been misleading you just a little bit by the way we've been talking about things. We've been saying that there is a war going on, and I guess technically that is true, but actually the war is won. We are just fighting someone like Hitler who, who has lost but stays in his bunker, moving around imaginary armies thinking he can still win, but the, the devil and, and evil has been defeated by the lion. He is, look at this, he is able, if, you're, it, if you write in your Bible, and you should write in your Bible, take notes and such, underline he is able because it means he is powerful. He has the ability to write the human story in such a way that, that it turns into the most glorious story, the most beautiful story, story of hope and redemption and love and everything that is good. He says he is able to open the scroll and the seven seals. And, and just listen, it start, the first seal, it, not great, 
It starts with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And, and if there's anything that describes human history, it's those four horses you'll read about, that there is war and conflict because selfish people want what they don't have and they want to take it from other people. And he says, there's pestilence. You know, there's sickness, all kinds of sicknesses in the mind and the heart and the body. He says, there's famine because some take a lot and don't leave enough for others. There's, there's, there's famine. And he says, and there's death and hell comes with death. He says, that's part of the human story, but, but there's other seals, there's other bowls, there's other trumpets, there's other hope. And, and he is in this story, and he is walking with this story, and he is calling us to live a certain way in the midst of this human story. And, and so he says, there's a lion who can open it. And he says, look, now this is what's so super important. Watch this now. Then I turned, the idea is I turned, and I saw a lion. Did you see a lion? Everybody was expecting a lion. He's weeping, and he said, see the lion, and he'd look to the throne to hopefully see some kind of hope, and he expected a lion who was going to bite, and was going to growl, and was going to swing the paw and knock out the evil, because we're very clear about what the evil is out there, where we don't understand the evil is in here too, and that's where we always got to start, the log in our own eye, not the speck in our brother's eye. So, so he says, he says he saw the lion, the, the, the lamb, the lamb, look at this, um, looking as if it had been slain. And so this is not a lion who's like uh, uh, the lamb, he's not a lamb who's like the beast who will come to take life, to oppress, to use violence and power and, 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 and wealth in such a way to control and dominate people, all while creating an image of benefactor. He says, it's not like that at all. This is the lamb who was slain, a lamb who gave his life, who taught things like service and sacrifice and going the extra mile and turning the other cheek. It's the way of the lamb. And he says, that is what is actually powerful. That is what actually wins. That is what actually shames the followers of the beast who worship the beast in the beast ways to recognize that this is no good. It's based on the understanding that ultimately all those beasts, all those dragons, all those way of the dragons, they are thrown into the lake of fire. Listen now. And the ones who do not pass the test, who align themselves with the way of the dragon, the way of Babylon, and the beast, go in the lake of fire with the beast. But instead, there is a lamb who, who, what you must understand about Jesus more than anything else is that he is defined by the fact that he gave his life to tell a better human story, to forgive sins, to create a way to all who would turn away. We're going to see in a couple weeks, he's going to say, come out from Babylon. Come out from her. And then we're going to see there's a whole bunch of people that when Babylon falls, they weep because they love Babylon. Oh, Babylon, the greatest fall, and why? We loved it. We loved it, okay? And so what you're seeing is an incredible picture of, of one, the expected line, but then comes the land. Look, it's standing in the center of the throne. And so who is this? Because there was once a person on the throne, and now the lamb's on the throne. And so it's a picture of the Trinity. God, the Son, the Spirit is all there. And this is Jesus, King, the only one who had the power, the authority, the worth, the value to be an appropriate sacrifice, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And so all of creation, the entire Godhead, acknowledges that this is the Lamb. And look at the response. Uh, let me show you this first about the lamb. Because the lamb is not just, boy, boy, boy. Oh, hear me. The lamb is not just someone we're supposed to admire because he gave us heaven someday. The lamb is someone who is worthy to be followed today. And if you are not willing to follow the lamb today, don't expect him to redeem you tomorrow. 
That kind of belief is not the belief that Jesus is talking about. He is worthy of obedience. Watch this now. The next day. Now notice, this is from the Gospel of John. Now why is that important? Because the images John gave in the Gospel in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John show up again in Revelation. This is, by the way, how you do good interpretation. Good, uh, what they call hermeneutics, or exegesis, or study of the Scripture. You look what the author said in other places. Watch this. The next day, John, the, the John the Baptist, who had his own followers, and when you follow someone, you say, that person's worthy of following Okay, look what John said. She saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the same John who's gonna write chapter five that we're looking at today. And look at what he calls Jesus, the one who will be sacrificed and slain, the one who is worthy. He takes away the sins of the world. This is the one, this is the one who can open the scroll. This is the one who's worthy. I meant it when I said, a man comes after me. He has surpassed me because he's before me. You don't understand who this is. This is the one. This is the worthy one. Quit following me, John says. Follow him instead. Look what he says. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptized with water was that he might be revealed to us, that he might be unveiled, that the revelation of Jesus might be clearly, clearly seen. Watch this. The next day, John was there again, and two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing, he said, look, the Lamb of God, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed him. Why? Because he was worthy. Because he was worthy of obedience, of their devotion, of leaving anything behind, because John, who they knew and trusted, said he's the one. He is the one who's worthy to open the scroll. Everything I'm doing is about him. He is worthy. See how this all beautifully comes together? Uh, look at going back to Revelations. It says this after he looked at this lamb. He says the lamb had seven horns, which is a picture of incredible, perfect power. Remember, every time we see seven, that's a person perfect of completeness, divinity, power, just, just a perfect, the best it can get. He had seven horns. Horns are a picture of power in the animal and seven eyes. And whenever you see the things covered in eyes, that is a picture about God's omniscience. Seeing perfectly, seeing everywhere. If a being is covered with eyes, all they're really saying is, he knows what you've been doing. He sees it. He knows what I've been doing. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's happened. He is omniscient. Okay, seven spirits. So seven eyes, which are the seven spirits. So again, the perfect, complete spirit of God sent out into the earth. He came and took the scroll from his hand, the one who sat on the throne. And so here comes the lamb. And of course, it's all symbolic. And so how does lamb do this? I don't know. But this is what he's trying to get us to see. Okay, the lamb walks up to the father on the throne and says, I got this. I am powerful enough. I'm worthy enough. I have a plan. I got this. And it's going to be twisting and turning, and there are going to be seasons when it looks like the dragon's going to win. <laughs> Fool. I got this, for I'm worthy. And he took the throne. Now, now watch how he does it. Again, again, it'd be so easy to look at this and say, man, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus on the throne and redemption. If it doesn't, teach you how to live now. We're totally missing what John's trying to do. Watch this now. Because look at he unpacks, he unpacks the 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 the, the ram, the the, the 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 lamb and the spirit. Watch this. And when he had taken it from the four living creatures, the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. And and you just sigh of relief. Oh thank God. God that the lamb has come and he's gonna redeem 
human story. And my friend, he could redeem your story. Your story may just, it may feel like the dragon has won. You've been beaten up, you've been lost, you've just, he could redeem your story. He loves to do that. He would take the scroll that is your life and he would say to you, I got this. I can open it up and there'll be some hard stuff, but I can turn it into a story of redemption and healing and hope. I got this. I got this. Watch this now. Watch this. He, he then goes back to John, and look what John says about the Holy Spirit, which in Revelation is called the, the seven spirits, the perfect spirit. If you love me, you will obey my commands, okay? This is what Jesus is looking for. Obedience, conformity to his way. And what is his way? It's not church and rules and money and all that. What his way, it's, it's actually really clear. It's love. I always choose love. It's service. It's sacrifice. It's humility. It's, it's worship. These are the things of the Lamb. And to choose to live in these ways in every aspect of our life, not just church life, in every aspect, my goodness, man, that is the way of the Lamb. He says, I, you will obey my command. What's my command? He's going to say in a minute, love one another. He says, the world will know how, that you're my disciples, that you really follow me by how you love one another. How are we doing it that and I will ask the Father, and he will give you, look at this, another counselor to be with you. What's the counselor? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the seven spirits. It's the perfect spirit. Look what it says of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. He lives with you in the person of Jesus. Look at this. He will be in you. And so why is it important that the lamb on the throne who's with the Father and also the spirit is there? is seen and revealed because that spirit that was on him and gave him power is now in us. And so we develop a love relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, now, now here's what we really need to understand. Only, only, only the lamb is worthy of honor and loyalty. Now, now, that's not to say you don't show respect to people in proper positions. That's not to say that when someone does something good, we applaud it, we celebrate it, we, we, we point out, we point out. But you know what we should ultimately point out? We should not be pointing out that you're great. We should be pointing out, you know, you looked a lot like a lamb when you made that sacrifice in the classroom. You looked a lot like the lamb when you were serving patients in the hospital. You looked a lot like the lamb, when someone slapped you and you turned the other cheek, when they slapped you with words or with accusation, instead of seeing uh, an evil person, you saw a hurting, broken person, you chose love. You looked like the lamb, so we honor that. We honor the lamb by honoring what you did. See, we tend to honor, man, you beat the blank out of that person. Way to go. You're stronger than them. You took that bully down, okay? You became a bully to hurt the bully. We, we're acting like the lamb, but we really ultimately said, you know what, lamb, it's great, but it's not able, it's not powerful. We gotta get some dragon in here. You know, we gotta buy it. We gotta fight for it. We gotta make it happen. What is the way of the lamb? It looks weak. I mean, that's why he chose the picture of a lamb. You think dragon against the lamb? I got my money on the dragon. And the dragon's got like seven heads and grows other heads. I mean, the dragon just keeps going and bigger and it's all over the place. How do you control this dragon? This is lamb. It says love, peace, comfort, mercy, humility, kindness. Only the lamb is worthy of your highest honor and your loyalty. And, and your loyalty is seen not by what you say, but how you live. That's the test. 
That's, that's going to be on the test. Okay? Watch this. Each one, the redeemed, sing that he so. Those ones who were <laughs> written about on the scroll, who were the causers of woe and death and lamentation, those ones who, who were victims of it but also were complicit in it, those ones who would be swept away if all we got was the judgment we deserved without the sacrifice of the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they, they were singing. And, and notice, by the way, this entire section is a song. So if you've got one of those Bibles where you noticed it's all right justified font, and then it gets all broken and weird, that's telling you it's poetry. That's telling you that they just started to sing. They just broke out into a song, and this is the song. It starts with the redeemed. Each one had a heart, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Now, the bowls, in this case, of incense are prayers. The prayers of those who are going through difficulty. The prayers of those who are saying, how long? The prayers of those who are seeking God. And, and it's hard to imagine being a person who lives the way of the Lamb when prayer is not, not just part of your life, the foundation of your life. The way of the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Before the song was woe and lamentations and how long. Now it's, it's we're going to see the song. Let's take a look. You are worthy. You are able. You have the right. You have the goodness. You have the power to take the scroll and tell a better story. Tell a story of Redemption instead of woe, lamentation, and pain. You are worthy to take the scroll, open the seal, because you were slain. Why? Because you were slain. Because the whole world came and said, we got to solve these problems. We're going to do it through money and through power and through our ideology. We're going we're to follow the right leader. We're going to draft the right quarterback, as it were, and that'll bring us all the way. And then, and then we'll get there. But, but what we see is that he's saying, this lamb, who everyone thought they needed a lion. And he is a lion. We're going to see that. I haven't got time today. I haven't got time today. All right, he is a lion, man, but he is a lamb. No one saw that coming, and that he was going to be slain. The king was going to be slain, the donkey, Bethlehem. Wow, what is this? And with your blood, you have purchased men for God. We're going to start talking a lot about the blood in Revelation. Because the blood is power, the blood is redemption, the blood is our hope. The blood of Christ that cleanses us and empowers us to live differently from every tribe and language, every people and nation. You want to talk about inclusion? That's the heart of God. And if your heart, oh, my church, is not about including every color, male and female, slave and free, rich and poor, people who deserve it, people who don't deserve it, the people who've done the worst crimes are the people who look lily white. It, it's every tribe, language and people and nation. Okay, it's not English. It's not white. It's not North American. It's everybody. This is what made Christianity take over the world is that it was not just a regional God. The Romans had their gods. The, the, the Egyptians had their God. We had one God. And he's not God of a nation. He's not God of a nation. He's not God of an earthly nation. He's God of the kingdom of God. And he includes everybody. He includes everybody. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? So much here, I can't, there's no time. You have to study on your own a little bit, right? And, 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 but basically what it means is I can go right to God. I don't need a mediator because Christ has been the high priest. I now can go to God and know him intimately, personally. We are a kingdom of priests to be served by God. No, to serve our God. So we have access to God and we have service to God. What does our service look like? It looks like love. It looks like service. It looks like sacrifice. It looks like humility. And you know what sneaks up on you when you live like that? Joy. Meaning, purpose, hope, 
You become a person that attracts people. It's the kind of person you want to be. Look at this, this word of God. Man, a priest, serve our, you're going to be priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. You say, what does that mean, they're going to reign on the earth? Well, ultimately, in the New Jerusalem, the ones who are with the Lamb, they reign with him. But listen, this is also the true power on earth now. If you look at history, the people we most respect and the people who actually turn the course of how we do things are the people who live like the lamb. They're Dr. King. They're, they're peaceful protesters. There's people who, who look at... This can't just be about punishment and keeping those people away and keeping safe. They're They change the way we think about medicine and about education. Maybe education shouldn't just be for a few. Maybe it should be for everybody. It looks at how women were treated and said, man, that's just not right. And if you go back and look at the people who did that and made those kinds of changes, they didn't do it with guns and power and a lot of money. They didn't do it because they had the most votes. They did it through the strength of their conviction till the rest of the world saw the way of the lamb and said, ah, That's right, we were wrong. We shame the unrighteous by our godliness into godliness, whether they ever acknowledge the Lamb or not. You you actually, Jesus' way is more powerful. Now it takes patience and endurance and sacrifice. And some may actually give up their life. But the way of the Lamb is powerful. This is what John, again, John, who's on an island in prison, separated from people he loved, some who are drowning in prosperity and materialism, some who are drowning in persecution, this is his message for them. Oh, man, don't follow the dragon, but the way of the Lamb. Not only does the redeemed say it, but the heavenly court sings, he is worthy. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering in the thousands. There's a heavenly reality we know this much about, but, but it's huge, and, and it numbers thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands. There's a reality that we can't even begin to understand. There's just hints of it in the scriptures. Tens of thousands, they encircled the throne, and every living creature and all the elders in a loud voice, they sang. What did they sing? Guess what they, guess what they sang? Worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, and wisdom. So what should we use our influence and our power for? The lamb. What should we use our wealth for? The lamb. What should we use our wisdom and our insight and our ability to speak and teach and do it? We should use it for the lamb. And it may be for you in education. It might be in medicine. It might be in the marketplace. It might be on your sports team. It might be coaching kids. But you can do that on the way, the way of the dragon or you can do it the way of the lamb. Okay, see this? They, they received that he's worthy of that. He's, re- he's really worthy to receive my best strength and my best honor. You know how you honor? You honor what you worship. And the glory and the praise, he's the attention because it all goes back to him. So people say, why do you do what you do so different than everyone else? Eventually you just find a way to humbly and non-churchly just say, it's because of the lamb. I was a mess. I was a stranger and an alien. I was outside. I was an immigrant. And he included me in his kingdom and his nation. The king came down off his throne and stood before me and he included me. And that's who I am. And I believe in his kingdom that's coming. I anticipate it. And we're in the middle of a mess right now. But I believe the lamb's going to tell a better story. And I'm all in on it. I'm all in on it. Then the creature's saying, he, the, the creatures, that is all of creation. They heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and under the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne, to the lamb, be praise, honor, glory, power forever and ever. He wins forever. And even God eternal 
declares. These pictures of the four creatures and the throne she went past last week, these are all pictures. These are all pictures of divinity, of the Godhead. So that ultimately it's not just the redeemed who say is worthy and the created angelic heavenly beings that say and not just the things in creation that, that it proves out that the way of the Lamb is the better way, but God himself says, I accept that sacrifice. He's worthy. And this is what matters. That God himself says he's worthy. You want to look for something to follow? You want to look for something to live for? It's the person of the lamb. You want to look for a way to live? Live the way of the lamb. The way of the lamb. What do you consider worthy? We worship what we consider worthy. What we spend our time on, our money on. And it's so easy. Do you know what the beast asks? The beast asks only one thing. The beast will either devour you or he will protect you. The beast that come from Babylon. He says, if you oppose me, and you follow the Lamb, I will devour you. You will become a martyr. He says, but all you need to do for me to become a, an advocate for you here in Babylon, for me to protect you, is for you to worship me. And they worship the beast. I'm going to see that in a couple weeks. What do you worship? What do you consider worthy? What do you honor? What do you honor? You know what you honor? You honor what you imitate. You have a sports star. Say, I want his jersey. You know, you have someone in business. That's the guy I model my business after. You know, I had a teacher who was like this. I honor what I imitate. Do you imitate the lamb? Where are your loyalties? We are loyal to Jesus when we live by his teaching. Not when we say, I'm a Christian. Look at the cross, so shiny. I got the fish on my car. Come on. I'm with Jesus. I'm in Jesus' team, team Jesus. But I talk, I live, I treat people like the dragon. I don't even know what it really means to live a life of love. I don't really know what it means to live a life of endurance and patience. To the one who overcomes the one who overcomes. Remember who this book is written to. It's written to the one who overcomes, okay? We are, we're our loyalties. Will you leave everything to follow Jesus, the Lamb? And then that's, that's, basically, that's basically what the disciples did when they heard John say, John, first day, dude, this is it. This is the guy. He is worthy, Lamb of God. This is everything I came to tell you, everything I've been preparing for. And the next day, and those guys are probably shell-shocked that first, and the next day, so there he is, the Lamb of God. And they followed him. And it all begins. It all begins. The church of God, the people of God who said, I am with the Lamb, even if it costs me my money, my wealth, my position, even if they take my life, I am with the Lamb. I, I live like the Lamb. I want to be like the Lamb. And so our next step is just simple today. We're just going to worship. We're going to do what they did in the book of the Revelation. I hope you have a sense that that scroll is a terrifying thing. It's full of woe and lamentations and dread, and it lists my sins and your sins. It shows that I've most of my life been on the wrong team, even though I acted like I've been on the right team, and that I need someone to open it who can make that story a story of forgiveness and redemption, to rewrite that story. Because it seems like, well, that's my whole life. But your whole life in eternity is this big. If Jesus rewrites this story, the human story is even this big, and then eternity is there, Oh my gosh, the whole thing becomes beautiful. The whole thing becomes wonderful. And this is our hope. This is our life. And so we're just going to worship. You know what we're going to worship? We're going to worship the Word of God. The song you're going to sing is just the Word of God. It's exactly what we've been studying today. Will you stand in honor of the one who is worthy? Be fully engaged to the last song, the last word, the last note, because he is worthy.